0: about picking up the pen Um, so there's a kind of bit of a Christmas emphasis on what I want to share today and uh, maybe just kind of some some personal things as well Um, and we'll see what we what we mean by that and so what do we mean by picking up the pen well that's kind of obvious isn't it I had a pen here and I've just put it down okay I pick up my pen and I begin to write things down I'm finding more and more these days that if I don't write them down, I will forget them, <laughs> okay? My apologies, right? I'm getting fed up saying sorry to people because if I don't write it down, it just doesn't go anywhere, right? Other than out my brain. But we pick up our pens for all sorts of things, mostly to communicate uh, in a written way to other people. And uh, hopefully we remember that the picking up the pen is more than just Physically picking up the pen today. You know, it's not just about this pen, it's about something else over and above that. And what I'm going to come to is that our lives are like a story that has been presented to this world. Each of you who's in here today, your life is like a story that has been presented to the world. And people have different ways in which they view us, and we're going to think a little bit bit about that. But I want to start by thinking about the prophets and how the prophets. Uh, picked up the pen and in isaiah chapter 8 verse 1 it says uh, that the lord said to me take up uh, take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen the prophets picked up a pen and they began to write down what god was revealing to them god was speaking to them and they began to write we're going to think about that and just the very fact that so many of these prophecies the very fact that as we come to christmas time The very fact that so many of these prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus is just quite astounding, actually. We'll think about that in a little minute. Psalm 45, verse 1 says, My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. So the things that we say, the way that we worship, is like picking up the pen. So the things that we say and the way that we worship. So when we come to church, the way that we engage in the singing will be something that's like picking up a pen, the pen of a skillful writer. But I want to think about about the prophets, okay? And what they shared. And you might remember me talking about this in a Christmas Eve service a few years ago. So um I, I just wanted to spend a wee bit more time on this again. Um, so, if we go into the Old Testament, um, there are a number of uh, prophecies concerning uh, Jesus, who he was, when he would come, where he would be born, how he would live, those circumstances and people that surrounded him, how he would eventually die, and all these things are all woven throughout Scripture. We tend to think about the New Testament as being about Jesus and the Old Testament being about the Jewish people, but actually, the whole of the Bible is about jesus and the deeper you get into it the more you realize that everything points to him the old testament feasts point to jesus the tabernacle and eventually temple worship all points towards jesus the symbolism in the bible is incredibly rich and the the deeper we get into it the more we realize that it's all about him and so micah prophesied and you can see the figures there you know, hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, the place of his birth. And this is what it says. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Talking about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Then Malachi talks about John, been the forerunner to Jesus, John the Baptist. Words again, which were written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And it says, see, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Malachi talks about John the Baptist before John the Baptist has even appeared on the scene. Incredible. Moving on. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, again written hundreds of years before it happened, said this Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. We know how Jesus came into Jerusalem on the donkey in that week before he died. Zachariah talked about it hundreds of years before it happened. And then Zachariah goes on to talk about the wounds in his hand. And it says in 13 verse 6, if someone asks him, what are these wounds on your body? I will answer, the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. The people who should have welcomed Jesus, accepted Jesus as the Messiah, they're, they're the very people who rejected Jesus jesus is the messiah that the very people who shouted out crucify him crucify him crucify him his friends supposedly my goodness what a thought zachariah also goes on to talk about how he be, was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and he says i told them if you think it best give me my pay but if not keep it so they paid me 30 pieces of silver Jesus was betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. And Zacchaeus goes on in the next verse to say, uh, and the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the handsome price at which they priced me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the potter. Again, something that happened. Judas was so filled with guilt that he went back to the pharisees and he he begged them to take the money back and they wouldn't take the money the blood money that they betrayed jesus with they wouldn't take it back and so he threw the money into the temple and they used that money to buy a potter's field for burying people Zechariah talked about this hundreds of years before it happened and the last one that i'm going to focus on today uh hopefully uh, no second last sorry second last that he said nothing in his defense. Isaiah 53 verse seven says this, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet yet he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers in silence, so he did not open his mouth. And Jesus, as we see him before Pilate, says nothing in his defense. Pilate's trying to, to give him the third degree, grill him, interview him, find out what's at the bottom of this man. And he says, nothing is defense. Isaiah talked about this hundreds of years before it happened. And this is the last one for this part. That his hands and feet were pierced. And then he says, the psalmist says, dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and feet. And we know that that didn't happen to the writer of the psalm. And so the writer of the psalm was looking forward prophetically to see what would happen in the future. And if you read uh, Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, there's a a professor in America who looked at the probability, along with his students, of these eight prophecies, predictions coming true in one person, in one place, in one one point in time, and they calculated the odds to be... 100,000 trillion to one. The odds of all of these prophecies being fulfilled in the person of Jesus at that point in time in history, Jesus is a historical figure, the chance is 100,000 trillion to one. That's a big number. I don't know about you. I was talking about maths the other day and how God invented maths. I wish he'd invented a brain in my head that could deal with maths. I don't understand it, uh, other than simple addition, subtraction. How I managed to get through uh, college and and do all that, I have no idea. I think God gave me special ability for the, the time. But numbers which we can't even imagine. And as you read on in Josh McDowell's book, he lists 64 predictions, and he gives the Old Testament reference as well as the New Testament fulfillment, sixty-four only 64 out of so many more that could potentially come to pass in one person and one point in time and one place. And the numbers are so big that I can't even begin to understand them. The chances of this happening are so slim. Now, to get an idea of what this number means, the person who was doing the statistics decided to use an illustration. Now, my apologies to the guys who come to Compass. Daniel, I misled you when I talked about this during the week, okay? I will apologize for that on Tuesday. This is the real facts here, okay, in terms of the illustration. He said, if you had to take 100, what what was that number again? 100,000 trillion, right, dollar coins and lay them out over the whole of the surface of texas not america which is what i said okay okay the whole of the surface of texas then you would fill up texas to two feet deep in dollar coins okay then you take one of those coins you color it in with a marker you get your sharpie out and you color it in red okay you put it back in you mix it all up okay you mix it up and you take somebody and you blindfold them and you ask them to go and pick out that coin, that is the same as the chances of those eight prophecies coming through true in the person of Jesus. Incredible. The prophets picked up the pen and wrote. And what this says to me is that they wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They wrote as God led them and they wrote down words hundreds of years before these things came to pass one person at one point in time in history in one place incredible the chances of this all happening are so slim you would say never in a million i talked about the the chances of winning the national lo- lottery so you get six numbers and you sorry 59 numbers and you've got to get six out of those 59 and the odds now are something like 45 million five hundred and seventy something thousand to one right and people do the national lottery all the time do you know I, I remember when i was in mitsubishi i had an old friend who i've not seen for 28 years messaged me on facebook this week it was just fantastic and i found out that he works alongside lois smith down in hamilton college one of uh, Lois' buddies now, and uh, he goes to King's Church and whatnot. I've not seen him for years, and I thought, wow, I need to get in touch with uh, Andy. We need to meet up and stuff like that. Oh, forgotten what I was talking about, Mitsubishi. I was so excited to, to be in touch with Andy. What was I talking about? Lottery. lottery, that's what it was. Thank you. I was talking about the lottery, and I remember coming in uh, to work one day. I think it was the Friday, and uh, there's a, another guy who I was really friendly with. Uh, his name's Scott scott came into my office and i said scott i've had a revelation he's like what is it i says god has been really speaking to me and he's given me a revelation what is it he's told me the numbers for the national lottery this week (laughs) and that was when the chances were 14 million to one okay they've changed it. not that i do the lottery and he says that sounds amazing I said, get a pen and write it down. I'm going to tell you the numbers right now. And so Scott gets his paper and his pen and he writes down these numbers that I tell him and he goes away at the weekend and he puts on the numbers and what happened? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) He came back in on the Monday morning. He was like, what was that all about? I was like, I was just kidding you on. (laughs) The chances in those days a winning were 14 million to one and people took the chance every single week um I was just hoping I was just hoping he hadn't changed his regular numbers (laughs) and they came up I was like whoa that would have been I'd have been in trouble then but when we think about chance and we think about the fact that our faith our faith is based on a book which is filled with scriptures where prophets picked up a pen wrote things down even the word today and the holy spirit still speaks to us through that it's incredible even the words in scripture the holy spirit can take those words and breathe something into us so that the word of god becomes a living thing it's not just empty words on a page which we can read understand mentally and then go away and forget the holy spirit can take those words and he can cause a light to come on in our hearts that rhema word the the word that has the very breath of god on it it's not just empty words on a page like i've got here it's a word that carries with it the breath of god and if i was close enough to you today speaking to you today you might feel my breath as i'm speaking to you remember that happened to me at the dentist uh years and years ago Not it wasn't near the dentist it was the optician and it was a, a female uh, optician and she was right up close Checking it. This is when we had the old school technology. She was really, really up close, and I could feel her breath on my face. And I was like, I just wanted to burst out laughing. It was like, it was like too close to me. <laughs> but imagine God being so close that when we read His Word, we actually feel the breath of God. We feel it inside us. We feel the the life of God coming as we read the scriptures. I love it when that happens when god shows me things through the scripture things that i've maybe never read uh, for years and years or i've maybe read hundreds of times and god comes and he brings it to life it's just incredible there's nothing to beat it the prophets picked up the pen i want to just share another few thoughts um kind of along this line and taking it a little bit further on Moses picked up the pen. Moses was the author of Genesis, and Moses wrote these words about Abram, Abraham, sorry. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Moses picked up a different sorry. Abraham picked up a different pen. Moses recorded what happened in Abraham's life. But Abraham picked up a different pen. Abraham never, to my knowledge, wrote these things down. But Abraham's life was like a letter written for us today. Written as a letter for the people at the time, for his family, for those who would inherit from Abraham. Abraham's life was like a letter which was written by God. Abraham was 75 years old when God called him out of Ur of the Chaldeans to come down into the promised land. 75 years old. Does anybody think they're too old for this game? Abraham was 75 years old and God was still writing the story of Abraham's life. And Abraham responded to the voice of God in faith Abraham heard what God said heard what God was wanting to write into his life and he responded in faith therefore Moses was able to record these words about Abraham Luke also picked up the pen Luke who wrote the book of Luke who wrote the book of Acts and it says in here in Luke, in Acts chapter 13 verse 36 that For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. He's quoting Paul, who was talking about the resurrection, who was saying that what's been written by the prophet in the past wasn't about David because David died and saw corruption, his body, but Jesus didn't. And he was talking about Jesus being the resurrected king of the Jews And then also in Luke chapter 23 verse 46, sorry, why is that doing that? Go back, go back, sorry. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Luke recorded his story as well, the story of Jesus. And if you had to if we had more time today we could go into looking at the gospels the different types of books why they were written who they were written to and what they're about and how they present jesus they're all very different how many times the old testament is quoted any answers which of the gospels quotes more old testament scriptures than any others any others not look matthew matthew who was writing to a jewish audience about this king of the jews king of kings matthew quotes i think it's 53 or 57 uh, there are 53 or 57 incidents where matthew quotes old testament scripture to prove to his audience as we thought a wee bit about this morning to prove that this jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords the king of the jews luke picked up the pen and the gospels although their history that was the slide that that you saw before you were supposed to see it. They're history, but they're also his story. But the whole of the Bible is his story. And Jesus said this. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Not one thing in it can change until everything's accomplished. Jesus fulfilled Scripture. Jesus is fulfilling Scripture, and Jesus will fulfill Scripture. Think about all the prophecies in the Old and New Testaments that remain unfulfilled think about the chances of the only those eight coming to pass and one person at one place in time in history a hundred thousand trillion to one that's only eight prophecies think about the things which god has said which have still to come to pass does that encourage your faith It encourages my faith to know that my God, who has spoken all these things through the prophets and still speaks today, God does nothing without first revealing it to the prophets. Do you know I've been reading this week? Again, prophecies which have been said over the life of this church, and some of them go are, are way back, and some of them are quite fresh and new, and I was just, I was reading this, and he talked about the, ch- do you know one that stands out was when Yenka was here, I was reading this and he talked about the church's mission and the church's role and how it was bigger even than just Whitburn. I want to share these things in the new year, right? I'm getting really excited about what God is saying about this church. And I'm bursting to to share some of these things. But it's just, it's not time at the moment, but I'm bursting to talk about what God's been saying about the life of this church. And one of the things that Yenka said was, if you feel... That you're insignificant then you qualify i was like yes (laughs) you're beauty i feel insignificant sometimes but what were we singing about this morning steve when we're weak then he is strong it's not about us looking great i've said this so many times it's about what god wants to do that's for his glory so the gospels are history but they're also his story. And can we trust him? Can we trust God with yesterday? That might sound like a strange thing to say. Can you trust God with your yesterday? The things that happened in your past that might still be affecting you today. Things that people have said over you in the past. Things which are in your history. Can you trust God with your history? You think why did that ever happen to me that should never have happened to me do you know i was at the funeral of a, a friend this week and uh, this this friend uh, i know i know him through uh, chaplaincy work in longridge primary school and uh, he had two children who were adopted and uh, his son his son actually died in a car accident and you know, this one of the things that the person t- taking the funeral said was that this is, what, this is what Jim said. He says, why shouldn't something like that happen to me as a Christian? Why shouldn't something like that happen to me? Do you know, I found that I, I've just found it so moving to actually listen to some of the things that were being said about Jim. And uh, why, why shouldn't it? Can we trust God with our past? Can we trust God with our present? The things that are happening right now in this room, the things that we're experiencing, can we trust God with it? And and can we trust God with the future? The things that we can't see about tomorrow, the things that cause us to worry and be anxious, can we trust God with tomorrow? If God can f- can can speak to the prophets over hundreds and hundreds of years and say the right things at the right time, so that people can pick up the pen and write it down and fulfill it all exactly as He says He does. Then surely we can trust him with the things that he has said over our lives. Surely we can trust him with our past, our present, and our future. Surely we can trust him. And it's a it's a reason for faith to rise within us. And we've been challenged about this as a church in recent weeks: for faith to rise. Sometimes we can get ourselves locked into the situation, our heads can go down. And as I used that illustration with Josh a few weeks ago, God wants to come and lift our heads, not in a, in a proud way, but in a way that looks to him so that we can trust him for the things that he is saying and the things that he wants to do. What's your story? What's your story today? How, how are you picking up the pain of your life today? You see, All of the things that are in the Bible were talked about before they happened. The Bible tells us that God saw you before you were even born. That God had things for you to do that were prepared before the very foundation of the world. So we think these prophecies about Jesus are incredible and they're all kind of locked in time. Here's a God who says before the universe was created... I knew you, I saw you, I had a plan for you. And we have the opportunity to allow God to write his story into our lives. We have that, we have that every day, every single day, that opportunity to pick up the pen and to allow God to write his story in us. We pick up the pen of decision. We pick up the pen of our choices. We pick up the pen of the attitudes that we adopt in the situation we find ourselves, the inclination of our heart. And we find ourselves, if you're really thinking about this, getting caught up in this grander story, this big story, God's story, and our lives become part of, of the story that God is writing. See, we can choose to write our own story. That's the reality, and people are doing it every day. And some people are really talented and skilled and successful and all this type of stuff. And they're writing their own story. But what's the point in writing your own story if at some point in time, we realized that actually we had the opportunity to allow God to write that story in our lives and we missed it. God gives us the opportunity to pick up the pen and to allow him to write his story in us. You're writing your story in every moment of every day. We as a congregation are writing the story of this church. This year is almost finished. Twenty nineteen. 2019, see, numbers. 2019's almost finished. We've been writing the story of this church over the last 12 months almost. And at some point early in the new year, we'll have Celebration Sunday and we'll look back on a life in the church. You know, we come to New Year and we think back at the life we've, we've had and the things that have happened this year and the ups and the downs and the, the tears and the, the joys. And we'll look at all that and we'll go, actually, I've been writing my story throughout this year. And the things that I've said, the choices that I've made, the things that I've done, the things that I've thought in my heart, the attitude that I've adopted, story all the time. And the reality towards the people in our community, writing our story all the time. And the reality is that other people can read your story. Right? It's not something that's a secret, although some parts are, right? Because there'll be some bits in your book you'll go, I just want to keep that bit hidden. Okay? But the reality is that people can read our story as well. This is what Robert Burns said. Apologies to the non-native Scots, okay? Oh, would some power the gift to ye is, to see ourselves as others see us. At wad free money a blunder free is. The power, the gift to see ourselves as other people see us we get caught up with our own idea of who we are our sense of identity but the reality is that i have a perception of you and you have a perception of me we have a perception of each other which may or may not be right but the reality is that we're writing a story all the time and other people can read that story they can read that story and the decisions that we make and the choices that we make and how we How we invest with others, our time, our talents, our resources, all these types of things. What do people see? What do people read when they look at our lives? What do people see? What do they read when they look at this church? When people think about Whitburn Pentecostal Church, what do they think? What do the people in our community think when they hear the name Whitburn Pentecostal Church? Some people think, that's the place where I sit outside and have a wee whatever I have, out there at the fire escape, where the water was leaking out the gutters earlier on. That's what that noise was. So if you need to go to the loo, that was a bad place to be sitting, okay? (laughs) We need to get the gutters fixed. For some people, it's a building. For some people, they don't even care. In fact, I think probably for quite a lot of people, they don't care. And I think God is saying, it's time people started to notice Whitburn Pentecostal Church, because... They need to hear this message about Jesus. Not that we look good, but they can hear the gospel message. So people see us, they see our church. You're not only an ambassador for Christ. If you're a Christian in here today, you're an ambassador for Christ. Did you know that? Just to go back to the Mitsubishi days, I was talking about this with somebody just during the week, I think, about how how when you're in that workplace, and you most of you will know this, when you're in the workplace or college or whatever it is, school, and you say you're a Christian and you maybe make a wee tiny mistake and they go, oh, that was you that did that. Have you ever experienced that? I've experienced that. You you just make a wee slip up and they go, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a Christian. You go, I am. I, I made a mistake. The people don't... <laughs> get the grace of god you know and it's, it's a bit of a, a mystery to me as well sometimes but the reality is that we're an ambassador for christ the way that we live our lives the story that we are writing in our hearts and our lives and our choices and our families that's the story that people are looking at and will see christ or they will see something else they might just see us but in the same way people are looking at the church you're not only an ambassador for christ you, if you come into this building every Sunday, are an ambassador for this church. What do people think when they see you coming into church and they go, I don't know what you were up to at the weekend. <laughs> the ones who laughed loudest, Barbara, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Think about it. We're writing our story all the time. We are responsible for writing that story all the time. Every moment of every day, the way that I woke up this morning, I woke up with some things in my mind that had woken me in the middle of the night, and I was like, I need to do something about that today. Woke up praying for people because they'd been in my mind during the night. Choices that we make from the moment we open our eyes in the morning to the moment we close them at night and go to sleep we are writing our story every day God has written the story in the Bible he's still fulfilling some of that and I just asked the question today can we trust him can we trust him with our choices today can we trust him can we actually say to him where's my pen there's my pen can we actually say to him there you go wouldn't it be so cool if God just came and took that pen from me right now? <laughs> we give it to God and we say, it's yours, you write the story of my life. What did Jesus say when he was in the garden? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Your will, O oh God. Are we prepared to give God the pen of our life and to say, here is the pen of my life. I want you to write my story. I want when the end of days come like abram hopefully old in years to be able to say that god has been writing the story of my life what about you are you in that same place are you prepared to give him the pen of your life today to write your story let's bow our heads and let's pray musicians please come back up <coughs> Lord God, we thank you that you are a skillful writer. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, which came upon the prophets, and inspired them to write the things which we can read and just gloss over so quickly today as we read your word. Holy Spirit, we pray, come and reveal your word to us, that we might grasp what it is that you want to say to us. Father, that we would feel your breath on our cheek as we read that word that we would know your nearness as we are in the scriptures studying your word. And Father, we just pray today that you'd help us Mm -hmm. to hand over the pen of our life to you. Father, to give it to you, to allow you to write that story within our lives, a story that will bring glory to you, and Father, will honor your name. Father, a story that will show other people that you are who you say you are, that there is a God in this world he is not absent and that he exists and is expressing himself through the church. And Father, we pray for this church that you would cause it to be all that you intend it to be. Father, the things which you have spoken over this church, we pray, fulfill your word. And Father, we know that when you speak the promises over us, Father, very often there's a time uh, where we think we can move into it right away. But Lords, in order to be ready be shaping us. You need to be taking us through some processes in order to be ready. And uh, Lord, I just as I was praying this morning, earlier today, Father, I pray that you would make us ready to hold what it is that you want to pour into this church. Father, as Jeanette spoke about the potter just a few weeks ago, Father, that you would mold us and that you would shape us into what you desire us to be as individuals and as a church that we may be able to contain what you want to pour into this church and so lord we we make ourselves available to you today we make ourselves available in the process that we'll go into when we leave this building father we know that the enemy comes to to steal and kill and destroy and to snatch away the word like the the birds that come down on the the stony path but lord we pray seal your word in our hearts today. Lord, may we be willing to give you the pen of our lives today and allow you to write your story in us, as we ask. Father, we pray that you would just glorify your your name through us. Father, that we would be the people that you call us to be. And just while every head is bowed, and I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if there's somebody in here today and you've never come to that place of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior inviting him into your life and asking him to come and forgive you for your sin then today is an opportunity to do that if you've never done that then I just ask that you pop your hand up and pop it back down and we'll see your hand and pray for you And we want to just give you some literature at the end of the service that will help you on this journey. Is there anybody in here today who's never made that decision and wants to give their heart to Jesus today? Father, we just pray that you would use us this week, Father, to bring glory to your name. Father, that you would just continue to write your story in our hearts. Father, that you would transform us, that we would be transformed through the renewing of our minds. Father, that we may be able to test and prove what is the will of God for us so that we might know with assurance the way to go when we have decisions to make. And Lord, we just pray that you would speak with such clarity that we would make the right decisions, keeping step with the Spirit. Lord, we don't want to run ahead of you. We certainly don't want to lag behind but Lord, we just want to be in step with the Spirit um, as we go into the remainder of this year and as we look forward to 2020 and all that you want to say and do. Lord, we just pray that you would move amongst us and that you would have your way amongst us, we ask. In Jesus' precious name.